Do you know someone who is lost? Do you have a friend or a loved one who needs the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, how do you pray for them? How does prayer release the power of God into the life of an unsaved person? That's what we're going to talk about today. We'll be back with you in just a minute. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Let's talk about praying for the lost. But before we do, I wanna share something else with you. I want to talk about Kingdom Rock Ministry and Pastor Mark Stroud. Pastor Mark and his wife, Samiko, have been good friends of mine now for a number of years. And God is using them in our community. They are incredible supporters in our community. And we are so glad to have a relationship with them. But I want you to know about Kingdom Rock Ministry and Pastor Mark's calling. I've been teaching some form of a ladies' Bible class for over 40 years. And I presently teach one in my church on Sunday mornings. We traditionally call it Sunday school. And I have a great class of precious friends that we study the Bible together every week. And so back when the coronavirus shut everything down and put us under quarantine, Pastor Mark said to me one day, what are you doing about your Sunday school class? Well, I wasn't doing anything because most of us were not really in the social media group and we didn't really know how to do the live stream and the Zoom and all of that. So I just wasn't doing anything. But one of the things we do well is email. And almost every member of our class is involved in email. So Mark said, why don't you come out and video your lesson every week and we'll email it to your Sunday school class? Well, that was the answer. And so we've been doing that now for about 43 sessions. Well, what happened as a result of that was the class began sharing the emails with other friends, and then Mark began to share it on his Kingdom Rock website. And so now a number of you are listening that we've never had the opportunity to get to know or to meet, but we're so glad to have you with us. I want to tell you that Pastor Mark is called to media ministry. He has a great passion from the Lord for getting the Word of God into the world. And they're in the process of starting a new building that will be for media ministry. And that will enable them to get more and better out into the world about what the Lord is doing and teachings from His Word. I want to share two things with you quickly. First thing is that if you sense the Lord telling you to contribute to this ministry, here's how you do it. You can send a check, if you're one of us oldsters, send a check to Kingdom Rock, Post Office Box 1285, 1285, Bremen, Georgia, B-R-E-M-E-N, Georgia, USA. 
Our zip code is 30110. So you can contribute that way. Or those of you who are not such oldsters can go to the website, kingdomrock.org, and you can contribute online. I want to tell you this is a faithful ministry. For years, I have seen Pastor Mark and his wife, Samiko, be faithful, continuously faithful to God, to each other, to their ministry, to our community. And you can be sure that any contribution you make here will be used in the right way for the right purpose. And we're excited about their having this great media building that will enable us to spread the word even farther into the world and in a better way. Second thing I want to tell you is that <clears throat> when I teach, especially in person, I always want to say, do you have any questions? Do you have any comments? A teacher's heart wants to know that the people you're teaching get it. And I want to say that to you. Um, I just, I long to hear from you. And if you have a question or a comment, or you have a topic that you would like for us to, to discuss, then here's what you do. You can send an email to pastor at kingdomrock.org. Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, at kingdomrock, K-I-N-G-D-O-M, R-O-C-K, no space, dot O-R-G. And Mark will see to it that I get it. And we would love to hear from you, love to try to answer your questions and minister to you in any way that we can. So pray about those things and see what the Lord might tell you to do. Your investment in this ministry, your investment both of prayer and of money, will help change lives, both locally and globally. You can help reach the world with the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that you will do that. We evangelicals talk about being saved and being lost. In our ordinary vernacular, we would say that the opposite of lost is found. In our evangelical or church language, we might say that the opposite of lost is saved. But they're really the same thing, saved and found. Truly, to be saved and to be found are kind of the same thing. We've spent time in some of our studies understanding how a person gets saved, gets saved. And maybe we should ask the question, how does a person get lost? Well, if we're going to understand how to pray for a lost person, we need to know what God says about a lost person. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26 says this, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What does that tell us? It tells us that lost people are caught in a trap they're rendered senseless by the enemy and they're taken captive, but they're deceived into thinking that they're free. That's the first thing. Secondly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they 
cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. A lost person is blind. Sometimes we wonder why lost people do the things that they do. They do the things that they do because they're lost. And you and I as believers don't need to do what they do the way they do it. They are blind. And so we don't expect a blind person to be able to see. So we need to be careful about our expectations of lost people because they cannot and they cannot see. They have been blinded by the God of this world. That would be Satan. So that he is unable, that the lost person is unable to comprehend the truth. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, the man or person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot, not he won't, he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Notice the word cannot. He cannot understand without the spirit of God. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So a lost person is described as being dead in sin, dead in transgressions and sins. A person who is dead in body cannot feel and respond to the physical world around him. Um, a corpse is unresponsive to anything around it, dead. Well, what the scripture's telling us is that a person who is dead in spirit is lost and he cannot, cannot feel and respond to spiritual things and the things of God. He can't. He is in his spirit like a corpse. So an evil spirit is actively working in a lost person to deceive him or her. Now, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, just told us that the lost person is following a ruler. He or she is a captive in Satan's kingdom. He has a free will. The lost person has a free will, but it's been warped and twisted by evil influences. And he cannot clearly see and understand what his situation really is and what his options are. So he, his free will is dominated by Satan and lies and deception and he is under Satan's control, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't see it. He is a slave to sin. So what is God's will here? What are we to do? Well, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, for the son of man, that's another name for Jesus, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus came especially for lost people. That's his purpose. That's his goal. So we can know 
that we're praying in God's will when we pray for somebody to be saved, for somebody to find Christ. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine tells us that the Lord is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's God's heart. That's God's plan. So God is working and it is his desire for us to work with him. Jesus did his part on the cross, but he left his people on earth with the message of the gospel to tell others. Began with the disciples, the apostles in Jerusalem, and then it spread into Judea and then into Samaria and then into the uttermost parts of the earth. That's our job to get it out there. So he gave us this command to go and make disciples of all nations. That's why it's important that we get the word to all nations. And today we have this phenomenal opportunity in media ministry that allows us to go places we never could have gone before. So that's the command. Go into all the world. Everyone is condemned and lost. Everyone is condemned and lost until they receive Jesus. You and I were condemned and lost until we received Jesus. So we all know John 3:16. You know it. Maybe you could say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What about verses 17 and 18? Do you ever think about John 3, 17 and 18 following verse 16? Verse 17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So we're already condemned. We're already lost. We're born lost until we receive Jesus. And he came to save, to seek and to save the lost through one sin, one sin, that would be Adam and Eve's sin. Condemnation came to all people. Lostness, separation from God. It's kind of like a virus. Did you ever get a, a computer virus, a virus in your computer? And, and you know kind of what, it like, what it's like if you open the wrong document or open the wrong message on social media and it has a virus of some kind in it. It will go through your computer, destroying everything in its path, and then into the computers of all of the people who, who got the message. Well, that's kind of what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. Every human since Adam and Eve has been born with separation from God. Once they sinned, it came through all people. That's why some people don't want you to believe in creation because it changes the message. So Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it caused all of us to 
sin, to be separated from God, to be born condemned after that. We all need our sins forgiven. We all need our spirits made alive. And that's what Jesus came to do. We all need to be transferred out of Satan's grip and into the kingdom of God. We need to be transferred out of Satan's domain of darkness into God's kingdom of light. That's what happens in salvation. And salvation happens by receiving Jesus. Those who do not receive Jesus will stay condemned and be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. So God doesn't send anyone to hell. We're born already destined for hell and God has sent a rescue. And it's our decision to decide if we want to be rescued or not. If we want to do it, the only way to do it is to do it God's way. So through Jesus Christ, God has made a way of escape and we can choose it or not. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. So if you want to, you can come to Jesus. But think about a lost person. And let's think for a minute about what it's like to be lost. Maybe you remember being lost and maybe you don't. But think about a lost person trapped in the kingdom of darkness. Uh, the head of the kingdom of darkness wants to keep him there. So he's going to use all of these convincing techniques to keep him there. And so he's going to blind the eyes, that's Satan's purpose, is to blind the eyes of those who are already in his kingdom so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's what the scripture tells us. The lost cannot comprehend the truth. They are deceived. They cannot understand the situation that they're really in until God opens their eyes. God opened your eyes and my eyes if we're saved. So what do we do? We, we see these people that we love, these people we know, and we see that they're trapped in the kingdom of darkness and they're believing the wrong things and they're depending on the wrong things, uh, thinking that they can go to heaven as they are. Not so. Satan is the father of lies and he's going to tell plenty of them. He's always trying to deceive us. But what can we do? We pray. We pray. Evangelism praying is a means by which we cooperate with God in the salvation of people. He's called us to pray and he's called us to give out the gospel, to give out the message. So when we pray, we go to war for lost souls. Prayer is warfare. Our prayer is to bring the lost out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God's only son. We pray. How do we pray? Well, we can kind of tell from what we've learned about what the Bible says about lost people, about how to pray. What are some of the things we need to consider when we're praying for the lost? A lot of times we, we get into, it's kind of shallow praying, just well, Lord save so-and-so and Lord save so-and-so, you know, and go on a Lord, Lord changes will, you know, do some of those things. But, but we learn when we learn what a, what a lost person is really into and being trapped and being blinded and believing lies. 
then we can attack those specific things that are keeping him lost. We attack it in prayer. Ellen Christensen, I don't know if you ever heard of her. She was a a sought-after speaker and Christian author known throughout the world. Uh, You may have heard of her from her best-selling book, What Happens When Women Pray? Uh, I think it's still on the market, um, but if you haven't read that, you might want to. She wrote it in 1968. She went to be with the Lord in 2011. But God used this woman in a mighty way. She was called to prayer ministry. And in 2000, the year 2000, she co-chaired an international prayer initiative. It was called AD 2000. And for that initiative, she wrote a study guide on evangelism praying. And in one section of that study guide, she asks this question, why do evangelistic efforts frequently produce so few souls saved? Do you ever think about that? Maybe a church gets out and works and works. Maybe they have a series of evangelistic meetings. They spend all this money and do all of these things, hoping that there will be a huge uh, group of people to come to know Christ. And not much happens. So she asked the question, why is that? Why is that? Here's what she continued to say. Many Christians are witnessing going as missionaries, preaching and faithfully inviting unbelievers to accept Jesus, yet are puzzled at their lack of results. Why? One answer is that they have failed to involve God sufficiently through prayer in their soul-winning efforts. Prayer brings the omnipotent God of the universe into the struggle of rescuing souls from Satan's kingdom and transferring them into Jesus' kingdom. Much prayer is necessary before we start to share Jesus with an unbeliever. We need to involve God sufficiently before we go, and we need to ask Him who is on His heart. Where is He working? To whom should we go, and when should we go? So God must go before us in preparing hearts. Um, I've been really guilty. I've seen my church be guilty. We've seen this uh, through a lot of years. When we, we, in our great enthusiasm, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's a good thing, but maybe we just go out and start knocking on doors or we take some tracks and meet somebody on the sidewalk. You know, what about before we do that, praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? Where is your heart? Is there somebody on this sidewalk that you want me to engage? So we need to include God before we start instead of going on doing our own thing and then asking Him to bless it. So I want you to turn for a few minutes to Luke chapter 8. This is a very familiar parable that the Lord told, and we won't have time today to study it in depth, but let's just get the skim off the top. Sometimes this is called the parable of the souls. Maybe you've seen it called the parable of the sower. But here Jesus helps us understand the human heart. It could be the parable of the hearts. Um, There are different heart conditions in all people, and it helps 
in our evangelism to know about the kinds of hearts that people have out there. And Jesus summarized it for us. This parable tells us that it's not about the skill of the sower. Get that in your mind. Because sometimes if you share the gospel and nothing happens, then we feel guilty. We feel like we didn't do it right. Uh -uh. This is not about the skill of the sower. It's not about the seed. It's about the soil which is in the human heart. Do you plant a garden? You know that before you plant a garden, if you want a, a really good garden, you're going to put that seed in really good soil. It's going to be soft. It's going to be rich. It's going to have the right environment so that it will produce. If you just go out and plant your green beans on the side of the road in hard soil, they're not going to do anything. They're, they're not going to produce. So let's read this. This is about the soil, which is the human heart. I'm in Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to begin in verse 5. Jesus is speaking. He says, The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And another seed fell on rocky soil. And as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And the other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And as he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So in summary, what we see here are four heart conditions, four conditions of the human heart. There's a hard heart in verse 5. There's a shallow heart in verse 6. There's a worldly heart in verse 7. And there's a prepared, receptive heart in verse 8. The hearers understood this because most of them in their uh, culture were involved in agriculture. And so when someone went out to sow seed, he would broadcast seed. If any of you have grown up in rural areas and where there's farming and agriculture, you know that, that sometimes a, a farmer will just take a sack of seed, put it on his shoulder, and just go out and scatter it. To broadcast it means that, that he just throws it out there in a large swath. And so he scatters the seed everywhere. We're not going to be able to go in this in depth, but, but beginning in verse 11, Jesus explains the parable. Look what he says. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. Jesus is speaking. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rocky soil are those that when they hear, receive the word with joy, but these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in times of temptation fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they're choked with worries and riches 
and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance or steadfastness. So for our purpose here in praying for the lost, what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that before we go out sowing gospel seed, we need to ask God to go before us and to soften and prepare a heart to receive the word so that the seed will stay there. We need to ask the Lord to not allow the devil to snatch that seed away. I've seen that happen. I have seen it happen. You know, through the years of teaching, there have been so many times when as I have prepared a Bible study, occasionally the Lord would just put somebody so strongly on my heart that that study was going to speak to, and then we'd get there for the meeting, and for the first time in weeks, they don't show up. They miss the whole thing. Do you ever have that happen to you? That's what this is. We've got to ask the Lord to get them in place to receive the seed, to not allow the devil to snatch that seed away before it can take root so that they can be saved. Another tactic of Satan is his putting blinders on the minds of the unsaved so that they can't see the light of the gospel. You know what blinders are? Blinders are those things that I've seen pictures of mules wear where they can only see just straight in front of them. There's a very narrow vision. And so that's what scripture says that Satan has done to these lost people. They've they've got on blinders. Uh, That scripture that we read in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says they cannot see the light of the gospel because all they can see is what Satan is letting them see. So we need to ask the Lord to remove these blinders. That's part of evangelism praying. Lord, remove those blinders. Give them understanding of their lostness. Let them see their way of, that there's a way of rescue. As we are sharing the gospel, we must depend on the power of God since he alone can save. God is the one who's going to do the saving. He's the one that's going to bring power into the situation. I can have the best presentation. I can do the best that I can in the circumstances that are there. I can do everything I can do, but unless God shows up, it ain't going to happen. And so we need to always ask the Lord to be there. Where's your power? Where are you working? Where is it? Where's that heart? in which you are going to want to work. We have to understand that there is a battle going on for a soul. And it is a hard battle that will be fiercely fought by our enemy, Satan, because he doesn't want that person saved. He doesn't want anything good for anybody, ever. Get that, write it down, ever. He'll make you think he does, because what is he good at? He's good at deceiving. So we need, as evangelism prayers, and as one that God may tell us, give us a specific person to whom to present the gospel, we're going to be focusing on God. And even while we're having that conversation with that person, we're going to have praying in our minds and in our hearts as we just constantly ask God to do His saving work. 
Every soul one for God is a soul that has been snatched out of the hand of the enemy. He don't like it. But that's what the warfare is. And so no human power or effort is sufficient to do that. That's why evangelism praying is critical. It is critical to pray before we go. It is critical to pray while we're going. It is critical to pray after we've been. It's warfare. And so Satan does not want to give up those who belong to him. He doesn't want to do it. And the only way we can overcome that is with the power and the authority of the Lord. And how do we get that? Through prayer, through intercession. Spiritual battles have to be fought with spiritual weapons. What are those weapons? Well, the first one, number one, prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. Prayer Intercession is the most powerful thing available to us in any situation for any person at any time. That's the first thing. That's where the job gets done. That's where the power of God is unleashed into that situation. Second weapon, the Word of God. The Word of God. We've got to base all of our evangelism praying on the Word of God. The adversary, the devil, is afraid of the Word of God. He's afraid of it because it is the truth that sets free. He doesn't want his people set free. He wants to keep them in bondage to sin. And so the Word of God is what's going to set, that, set those people free. The Word of God puts Satan on the defensive rather than the offensive. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, his counterattack always was the word of God. Over and over, what did he say to Satan? It is written. And he was speaking from the Old Testament. It is written. It is written. And so the word of God is our first weapon against the enemy. Third one, the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. Remember from our study of praying in Jesus' name, the name represents all that he is. It includes his authority, his authority. People can be saved only in Jesus' name. We cannot go in the name of a denomination or the name of a group or a program or a mission board or a church. We can only go in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It is the name Jesus. And Satan shudders at the name. I'm fascinated with the verse in the book of James that says the demons also believe and tremble. What do they not do? They don't bow. They don't bow to God's way of doing it. They just tremble. And they know that they are headed for doom. 
They know their time is short. And so sometimes that's why Satan is acting up so much because he knows he's got limited time to get more people into his grip. Number four, the fourth weapon, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. It is our authority over Satan. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11 says, they overcame him, that would be Satan, they overcame him who leads the whole world astray. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. Maybe you already have some lost people on your heart. Maybe you need to ask the Father to lay His burden for lost people on your heart. Also, we can ask God to show us a specific country, a specific people group that He wants to be our prayer burden. So understand that because Jesus' primary purpose in coming to the world was to seek and to save the lost, evangelism praying needs to take top priority in all of our praying if we're going to be working with God in His plan and His power and His will for the world. His will is that none should perish. And so this is the job that He has given to us, that we will pray and that we will implement his command, his order to go and tell. It may be a next door neighbor. It may be a family member. He may send you into the uttermost part of the earth. He's sending us into the uttermost part of the world through this media ministry that I shared with you. So we can ask God to show us what he wants us to hold before him. So in summary, what are some things that we might pray. Well, we want to pray that we'll believer, that believers will be brought into the lives of the lost people. Um, God can order footsteps of believers to intersect with unbelievers. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit is present in the life of the believer. And so there's going to be an encounter. And God may do this in amazing ways. If we ask Him and obey Him, He will orchestrate those circumstances to put in your path somebody that you need to pray for and that you need to share with. Now, sometimes when He's doing that, don't feel like... Um, Sometimes, sometimes we've been made to feel like, you know, we've got to, got to run up and grab them and tell them. Mm -mm. Think about planting a garden. Think about the soils. First of all, you want to test it out and see what the heart is like. See what door the Lord opens for you. Um, get involved with the Lord. Be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you know, and then, and then pray that these lost people will develop friendships with unbelievers. Jesus hung out with sinners. We've lived in a culture for a long time that would frown on us for hanging out with sinners. Uh-uh. Who are you going to follow, the world or Christ? So we need to hang out 
with some sinners. But when we do that, we need to pray that the ground of their hearts will be tilled up, that it will be softened, that it will be prepared to receive the word so that it will fall into the good soil. We also have got to pray that believers will live in such a way that it represents Christ. Sometimes all of us as believers, we mess up and we tell the world a lie about what Christ is like by the way we behave. And sometimes your life is all they've got to go on. And so we want to pray that believers in all of our lives will demonstrate the character of Christ, the love of Christ, the patience of Christ, the grace of Christ, or we're going to send them a wrong message. You know, sometimes sinning Christians are the primary thing that Satan uses to keep people away from the church. It's confusing. Sometimes it's confusing to other Christians to see Christians behave like the lost people or behave like the devil. We need to pray that Satan cannot snatch away the Word of God. Don't, snatch, don't let him snatch away the seed of the Word of God. We need to pray that believers will be faithful to share the gospel. Sometimes you may be in a situation, in a conversation with a lost person, and, and maybe you just know in your heart you want to share with them. You want to ask them about their relationship with Christ. It's the right time, but what is Satan saying to you? You don't really know how to do this. They may know something wrong with you. They may know something bad you've done. You don't, you don't really need to do this. You're not good at this. So you just need to wait until another time and you let, we let Satan distract us from doing what God has set us up for. Be bold. Ask the question. Do it in a loving way. Ask the Lord, how do we get into this conversation? Sometimes a good question is just to say, when in your life did God become more than a word? Or another good question is, if you were to have to stand before God today and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, if they say anything other than the grace and the power and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're in trouble. And so God will give you information in these conversations about how to pray and how to engage this person so that they will understand the gospel. We have to pray that God will open doors for witnessing. Open doors for witnessing. Um, some years ago, I got to know a precious lady. Her name was Verla Pettit. She came to our church many years ago to do a women's conference. And she lived in Memphis, an incredible woman of God. And so she shared with us a lot that weekend, but here's the thing that I remember about Verla Pettit. A friend of mine and I were going to take her back to the airport to fly back to Memphis. And um, she said, y'all pray with me that God will give me a prospect on this plane. And everywhere Verla went, she had such a heart for evangelism, she would say, Lord, Give me a prospect. That's what she called it. Give me a prospect. Show me somebody that I can show the love of Christ to that is ready to hear 
the message of the gospel. And so Verla was just constantly praying that, Lord, show her somebody. Just put somebody in my path. Let me tell somebody today, moment by moment, let me see somebody on this plane. And there is no telling how many people that Verla Pettit was able to lead to Christ on airplane and all the places in between because God knew her heart. And what's God going to do? She's working with God to do what he sent Jesus to do. He's going to make it happen. He's going to open the doors to use us to happen. Another thing that we need to do is to pray for the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin. Now let's get this and maybe we'll do another lesson on this sometime. The Holy Spirit's conviction of sin. It's not my job to convict somebody of sin. It's not my job to make somebody feel guilty. It's not your job to be your husband's Holy Spirit or your children's Holy Spirit. That's not your job. Only the Holy Spirit can convict in a way that the conviction is real and takes place. Any finger pointing coming from us is probably going to be more annoying than it is convicting. So we're going to have to give the Lord time to convict. Handle that heart gently. Handle that like you would handle getting a splinter out of somebody's eye. Gently. It's heart surgery. You are in a war where you are trying to steal from Satan's kingdom. And I will tell you, he's not happy. He's not happy. So we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. And I'm going to be conscious of listening to him, walking with him, letting him work in my heart as we go through this process. Usually when we pray for the lost, we pray that they will be changed. And certainly we want that to happen. But my motive in praying for a lost person cannot be so that my life will be better. Maybe you lived with a live with a lost husband who is difficult to live with. Maybe you have a, a close friend who's difficult to be around because they're lost. I can't just want them saved so that it'll be easier for me to be around them. I have to put my heart on the altar before the Lord and say, you let me feel about this person what you feel about this person. Change my heart so that I can pray with the right motive, pray with the right attitude, not for my convenience, not so that I can stop worrying about whether they're going to heaven or not, but so that your will will be done, so that you can accomplish this. The purpose of evangelism praying is to free the lost person's will of the deception and the lies and the warping influence of Satan. We got to get it out of that set of circumstances and we got to get them in a way so that Satan, that, that influence of Satan where he has twisted and blinded their sight, that's the prayer target. That's the prayer target. So we're going to pray against the influences that keep him lost. The influences that keep him from seeing right. One of the best ways to pray for them, we've done a lot of weeks on prayer here. 
One of the best ways to pray for them is to go back to the model prayer. Back to the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, the Lord's model prayer. What does he say? He said, when you pray, pray, deliver him from the evil one. That's what it literally says. We say, deliver us from evil. But what it really is, is deliver us from the evil one. So when I'm praying for a lost person, that's a great thing to pray. Lord, deliver him or her from the evil one. Work in him thy will. Let your will be done in their lives so that we will know the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Let them know the kingdom of heaven here on earth by thy power and for thy glory in Jesus' name. Is that a valid prayer? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is a powerful prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. But it is a powerful prayer. Deliver us from evil. The word deliver means to rescue. Rescue us from the evil one. So when I'm praying for somebody who is, who is lost, I can say, rescue them from the evil one. They're trapped. We've watched many dramatic things on TV. Maybe you've got men somewhere, coal miners trapped in a coal mine. And we bring out every resource in the world available to get to them to get them out of being trapped. Think about lost people being there. We've got to get them out. How do we get them out? We pray them out. We pray them out. So deliver means to rescue. So here is a person who is held captive. He's blind. He is fooled into believing that he is free or a she for that matter. He or she thinks that the enemy is working for his good. Oh, please, no. Our prayer is rescue him or her from the evil one in Jesus' name. Because that's what he came to do. Remember that our prayers are like smart bombs. We talked about this in an earlier lesson in this series on prayer. Prayers are like smart bombs. They fall on a particular target a pinpointed target. And so when we pray, our prayers are smart bombs falling on the enemy's territory. Prayer defeats the enemy in the lives of lost people. Remember that we're going to need to pray out of a holy life. I need to have dealt with my own sin. I need to be walking in holiness so that I can pray powerfully. I'm going to pray for lost people by name. I'm going to pray for Christians who have influence over that lost person. It's good to get other people to pray with you for that lost person. So then you've got lots of smart bombs headed toward the same target. We're going to pray for those who've never heard. You know, in my growing up years, I thought that the, all the people who had never heard lived far away in another country. And now here we are in the United States of America living among people who've never heard. How did that happen? I don't know, but it's the truth. And so we need to pray for those who've never heard. 
It is a command from the Lord that we would pray that he would send laborers into the vineyard. What did he say? The field is white unto harvest. You pray that I will send laborers. And then we need to be praying with Isaiah, Lord, hear my, send me. Send me. One last thing. Never, never, never stop praying for a lost person that God has given you as an assignment. I have a close friend who shared with me that she prayed for her brother over 40 years. And before he died, he received Christ. Never quit. That's not an option. In evangelism praying, prayer has got to be definite and it's got to be persistent. Sometimes it may just need to be a short prayer. It can be, Lord, I present so-and-so to you. Here they are. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to do to them. But here they are. Here's my heart giving this person to you. I present them to you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, because he died to save this person. Then, Watch and see what happens. Watch and see what happens. I believe that if you and I start doing this, not just being satisfied and comfortable knowing it, but if we start doing this, we're going to see changes. We're going to see people come to Christ. And that will be the beginning of a great revival. Now unto him who can do far more than we could ever ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. To him be glory forever and ever. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. The Lord bless you.